What's happening, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome back to another episode of The Pinch Point, where we're going to funnel down all the interesting happenings out there in the bow hunting, archery, deer hunting, poaching, criminal world for you guys. And that's actually where we're going to start this week's show with another fun tale of a stupid human threatening to shoot somebody with a bow and arrow. So this story comes out of Lauderdale County, Alabama. Headline reads, Florence man indicted for attempting to kill officer with bow and arrow. Uh, So the story goes that 31-year-old Zachary Lambert was indicted for attempted murder of a law enforcement officer, two counts of aggravated, wait, no, sorry, not aggravated, two counts of second degree arson, which is probably different than aggravated second degree arson, second degree attempted arson, first degree criminal mischief, third degree domestic violence, menacing and resisting arrest. That is a lot of charges for one person to get. So the story goes that uh, in back in March, the Lauderdale County Sheriff uh, said that deputies responded uh, to check on reports that a man was setting multiple structures on fire. First officer on the scene saw a man pouring gasoline on a house. When he confronted the man, The suspect picked up a compound bow and arrow and threatened the officer. Uh, The officer was then able to subdue him and take him into custody. Uh, Investigators believe the 31-year-old had set fire to two mobile homes, two vehicles, and a shed, resulting in thousands of dollars in damage. Uh, Attempted arson, they say, caused an explosion as well. Uh, He also threatened a couple other people by pointing the bow and arrow at them. Uh, So this poor fella got arrested and now has been indicted. He remains in custody at the Lauderdale County Detention Center where he's being held without bond. Uh, So there you go. He will be arraigned, which I'm not really sure exactly what arraigned means. Could probably look that up. Do you know what it means? Like when they give you the charges. So he's been indicted and then he has to be arraigned. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm not a legal expert. I mean, it sounds like he belongs in jail. I wish these articles could give you a little bit more context, right? Like, is there a reason this man was lighting all of this stuff on fire? Like, was he pissed at somebody? Did somebody wrong him? And he was like, I'm going to go burn all your stuff down. Is he just a crazy person? Was he drunk? Was he on drugs? Was he on bath salts? This was pretty close to Florida. Is he a Florida man (laughs) setting things on fire? Like the picture of the guy, he looks... I mean, fairly normal. He's wearing a polo shirt. I feel like people that wear polo shirts normally aren't lighting things on fire and threatening to kill people and police officers. So I don't know. I just I just wish you could get a little bit more context of these stories. Also, what kind of bow did he have? Did he actually draw the bow back? Or did he just like pick it up and, and like point it, like not being drawn back? Like, you don't come any closer or I'm going to shoot you with this this bow. I don't know. Why would he... Maybe all he had available was a bow, but it seems like to me, it's one of the most least effective weapons for like close combat. I think I'd rather have a machete or a knife or or an ax, something like that. I just feel like would be better than a bow. Just anybody that shoots a bow, I just think understands like it's not the best weapon. Like if you wanted to like stealthy sneak up on somebody that didn't know you were there and take them out. Like a bow is the is the the tool for that job. But like when you're faced with like somebody that could be coming at you and you're coming at them and there's going to be a confrontation, I just don't think a bow is the weapon I would personally pick. But again, the guy's probably crazy. 
since he's lighting things on fire, causing explosions, threatening people. So hopefully this fella, Joe Hamilton, just sounds like a normal guy. Oh, Joe from down the street. Yeah, he's the guy that always wears the polo shirts. Yeah, I don't know what happened. He went crazy and tried to kill a cop with a bow and arrow. Sorry, Joe. Bad life decisions. We're going to keep referencing Jocko. Don't do dumb shit. <laughs> that sounds like some dumb shit. All right. So next up, we're going to jump over to an article I found. I got to find the link to it. It's on a website called Field Ethos, which I have seen before. I can never remember where I, I keep running into, into Field Ethos at. Um, but the article is called, let me pull it up here. When my computer goes into like touchscreen mode or whatever, it has got to be the most annoying thing in the world. I, I don't understand. Microsoft, they need to get their stuff together. Like Somebody get Bill Gates back here. Bill Gates is too worried about buying up all the farmland and killing us all with his vaccines. He needs to be worried about making a better surface is what he needs to be doing. Bill, get back over here. All right. So let me get back to my field ethos article. Okay. Uh, title of the article is called Watching Archery is Boring. I'm going to take a little bit of exception to this because I think if you're watching the right archery, it can be boring. So this is, I will say, this is one of the most well-written, entertaining pieces that I've read in a while. You know, when you look at outdoor journalism as a whole, um, a lot of the authors aren't like the most eloquent writers in the world. I personally love to read. I read a ton of books, both fiction and nonfiction. So I'm a, just a big fan of literature. And this fellow who wrote the article, his name is Joshua Kwong, I believe, did a fantastic job. I stalked the guy on Facebook. I found him. I believe he's like an English teacher somewhere, which makes perfect sense because this is this is an awesome article. In fact, while I was on fieldethos.com, I read a bunch of other articles that had nothing to do with the outdoors and they were all really well written. Um, so whoever is like curating their content and editing it and getting these, these people to write, fantastic job. Kudos to them. Highly recommend fieldethos.com. Just some really good stuff on there, but essentially tells the story about how when he was a kid, he briefly was interested in archery uh, using literally a stick and a piece of string and an old arrow. And then he like, you know, fell out of it. And then he came back and uh, got into archery because of watching Monster Bucks videos. So then he picked up traditional archery, which I thought was interesting because most of the folks on the Monster Bucks videos were absolutely not shooting trad bows, but he picked up like traditional archery, tried to go hunting, shot a doe, never found it. Basically he said, I'm not doing this anymore, which I could understand. I felt like, uh, Traditional archery is one of those things where after you've mastered some of the other forms of hunting and deer hunting, people gravitate towards it like later in life when they're looking for like what could be considered the hardest challenge of all the bow huntings or all this hunting really in general. It's, it's always interesting when people gravitate towards that as their first thing. Then he goes out, wounds a deer, doesn't find it. But anyways, he grows up, has kids. The kids get into uh, like 4-H uh, so they're in competition, probably like a NASP type thing. They're probably shooting Genesis bows, if I had to guess, based on the way the article's written. And he has to go to this tournament where his kids are shooting. And he talks about like how extremely boring it is to sit there. And I could agree that like 
let's face it, a lot of stuff that our kids do is pretty boring, especially uh, when you're having to watch kids that aren't your kids or aren't very good at what they're doing. So I completely understand, but I think it's also a bit unfair to say that watching all archery is boring because go watch the shoot down uh, at the Lancaster Classic. Go watch the finals at the Vegas shoot. Like that is anything but boring when there are tens of thousands of people watching and it's coming down to one arrow, you know, and if you miss, you know, you're out. Like it's very nerve wracking. And when you watch... I guess if you watch anybody at the highest level of competition uh, in any sport or interest, I'm sure it can be interesting when you're watching a bunch of what sounds to me like 10 to maybe 12 or 13 year old kids shoot Genesis bows in a gym. Yeah, probably boring. I could, I could see how that would be boring, especially for somebody that doesn't shoot archery themselves. So I feel like archery, uh, this article gives archery kind of a bad rap. If you just consider the headline, the clickbaity type headline, but Hey, he's in the same business. We are getting eyeballs on his content. It was very well written. Uh, I, like I said, I stalked this guy. He looks like he enjoys fishing and bird hunting. Um, both of which I'm sure are, I love fishing, not a big bird hunter myself. Um, but anyways, so it's an article that's worth reading and field ethos is a great website that's worth checking out. So I would highly recommend both of those. All right. So next we're going to move on. What should we talk about next? Uh, we're going to go with the, the bad news. We'll talk about some bad news next. Um, Colorado is the next state that has began cutting back big game licenses because of the harsh winter. Uh, so specifically uh, northwestern Colorado, they have cut back mule deer, elk, and antelope tags very uh, dramatically. Um, I'm not going to read the entire article, but it says um, male and either sex mule deer licenses is in this area have been cut by 5,000 licenses, which is a 48% reduction. Um, hunting licenses for female mule deer, also known as does have been cut by as much as 94% in certain areas. So, uh, very clearly they are dealing with a lot of winter kill. Um, Antlerless elk allocations in certain areas cut by 89%. Um, pronghorn licenses cut by 74% for bucks and 83% for does. So um, those of you who hunt or maybe were planning on trying to hunt northwestern Colorado, it looks like you are in for uh, a reality check. There's not a lot of animals left. Maybe you should consider skipping that hunt this year. I did see that Wyoming... Um, made some additional cuts as well. It looks like it was primarily uh, like west central part of Wyoming, uh, which will be away from where I'm planning on going, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're seeing additional cuts continue um, to happen, unfortunately, because of these winter kills. And I'm sure it's not going to stop there. All right, we're going to move into, I guess, a little bit more positive, if you will, of an article. So I remember seeing a headline come across a feed a few months ago, and I didn't really pay much attention to it because I don't know, I just didn't really interest me at the time. But there was there's an app called Scout to Hunt, which I've never heard of. Um, I don't know exactly what it does. The article I read here, which was an outdoor life, says it's a GPS app designed specifically for Western shed hunters, which I found very interesting. I feel like it's a, such a niche market. I think if you're going to create an app, you would create it for hunters and outdoorsmen in general, and then maybe have some shed hunting features to it. But again, I don't know anything about Scout to Hunt. But what these guys did is like a promotional, they're calling a gimmick or a stunt, but let's just call it a promotional effort. 
they took five antlers and they like custom engraved on the antlers and they spread them across five different states out west on public land. And essentially anybody who finds those antlers can turn them in for $10,000 bounty per antler, either cash or Bitcoin, which I thought was interesting considering the state of cryptocurrency right now that, that, you know, somebody would be like, yeah, man, give me 10 K in Bitcoin. Like I'm taking the cash all day long. Uh, but anyways, the second antler was found. So it means there's three of them still out there. The fellow who found it, his name is Creed Keel. It's a pretty cool name. Creed spelled with a K Keel spelled with a K. So alliteration, good job by the parents. Hopefully his middle name also doesn't start with K. <laughs> that would be poor planning on their part. But Creed uh, found this antler. So the cool thing about it that I learned from reading the Outdoor Life article was that um, not only did they put these antlers out there, but they are releasing uh, like riddles, I guess, that are giving people clues on where to go find the antler. So it took this guy a couple days to piece it all together and get out there, but he ultimately found it. So there were antlers hidden in, in Arizona, Idaho, Nevada, New Mexico, and Utah. It was one moose shed, two elk sheds, and two mule deer sheds, uh, each one worth $10,000. So apparently there's three of them still out there. So there's 30 grand laying out there if somebody wants to go try to find them. So I guess you can check out, um, I don't know, what is that? I can't even remember what the app was called anymore because... Scout to Hunt. Yeah, Scout to Hunt. Scout to Hunt. I don't know, it's kind of... It's just not memorable, I guess. It could have been a better name. Scout to Hunt. So check out Scout to Hunt. Got an opportunity to win. Earn. Did you win? Is it considered winning? I guess, I guess it would be considered winning $30,000. So, all right, moving on, we've got, uh, man, some more, some more anti-hunters out there just trying to crap on the people who are just trying to go bow hunting in city limits in a neighborhood somewhere. So the city of Medina, Ohio, city residents will have the opportunity to say, clever slogan warning, say no to the bow come November. So there's a referendum a referendum to repeal an ordinance that would permit bow hunting within city limits in Medina. And as you can imagine, there's a bunch of suburban, what looks like soccer moms who have no idea about hunting or what they're really talking about, but they don't like the idea of people hunting in their neighborhoods or wherever. So they are saying no to the bow. I just... Every time I read these articles, it's like the same crap that comes up over and over and over. And it's like, I wish there was just a way that we could educate non-hunters a little bit better on these things. So they didn't, they weren't trying to make decisions based on information that's just completely like exaggerated, not true at all, um, based on nothing other than their emotions, um, the way that this referendum came about is clearly because there was a reaction from the community to the idea of having an urban hunt, of having individuals hunting for deer, particularly in unspecified places, which I don't know what that means. Like you need to have permission to hunt any piece of property. So it's not really unspecified. The landowner knows you're there. It's private land. Um, and they talk about from 30 minutes before sunup to 30 minutes after sundown. And people, I'm sure right? Are like, oh my gosh, people are, they're hunting before the sun is up. Oh my gosh, that sounds dangerous. 
how many of these people are awake and paying attention to how light it is outside 30 minutes before the sun crests the horizon? Probably none of them, my guess. These, these ladies here, with their, they're wearing these shirts that say, let us vote, and they have pictures of deer on them. So I'm not sure if they're saying they should let them, the women in this picture vote, or they should let the deer vote. Because I don't think the deer can vote, ladies. Uh, this bill was started by city council representative Bill Lamb. He's probably doing it for the chicks. He's probably trying to get chicks. Bill, it's not going to work, buddy. So the original referendum that they passed that would allow hunting passed five to one by like the city council or board or whatever it was. Old Bill Lamb was the only guy that voted uh, against it. And then he went out there and he was like, oh, blah, blah, I want to do this. You know what they talk about mostly here is not necessarily the fact that they're against hunting or culling or getting rid of deer because everybody seems to understand that they have a problem with deer overpopulation. They just don't like people doing it uh, on their own bow hunting. They would prefer to bring in sharpshooters and spend tax money to have people shoot these deer with guns rather than letting taxpayers pay money and generate revenue for the city to go in and pay for the opportunity to shoot these animals, which is just mind-blowing to me every time I see one of these things. So uh, as the ordinance is written, uh, they are able to cull deer via bow hunting and they have to obtain a special municipal deer control permit, property owner permission, and an agreement form and a stand registration fee and a number of other permits, paperwork, and licenses. So they have a great program in place that I'm sure addresses all of these people's concern, but they don't care. They just want to pose for their Facebook post, these women with their stupid let us vote shirts on. Um, so... I don't know, anybody that's in Medina that wants to support the ethical and legal hunting of deer, I would encourage you to go do that. Um, man, I wish I could, I need to find this other piece. Oh, here we go. What bow hunting means, this is a quote from one of the ladies. What bow hunting means is that you're introducing lethal weapons in, into, who wrote this? What bow hunting means is your spelled Y-O-U-R, which should be Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Hello, editor over at cleveland.com. Get on it. You're introducing lethal weapons into use into the community in a relatively unspecified way. What the hell does that even mean? You're introducing lethal weapons to use in the community in an relatively unspecified way. Could you have a more relatively unspecified quote? Is that even possible? If the referendum is successful, then that means the city will have to have a better option. I, this doesn't make any sense to me. These people, I don't know, they just make me upset. I'm not thinking straight anymore. So we're going to move on to an article. This is an old one that I came across a while back and I didn't really have an opportunity to talk about. It may have even been before we started doing Pinch Point. No, I guess it wasn't. It was only about a month ago. This is a meat eater article and it was called the dumbest things I've ever done while deer hunting, which I thought was entertaining. And I read through it. And to be honest with you, there wasn't anything that was like that dumb. Most of the, the content of this article was people talking about like mistakes they made while they were deer hunting. Like, oh man, I had this shot at a big buck and I screwed it up because of something I did. I was thinking more along the lines of like 
actual dumb shit I did when I was deer hunting. And the story I always tell people, and this was just because we didn't know any better in those days, but I mean, this is going back to like the mid nineties when I was in high school, some 16, 17, probably into college and maybe my early twenties, you know, we hunted fixed position tree stands with screw in steps, um, no lifelines, no safety harnesses, no safe, no thought of tree stand safety whatsoever. It wasn't even like a, a thing. I think a couple times I had maybe worn, if you guys remember, safety belts they used to have like before harnesses, which was essentially just a strap that you like put around your waist. And then you had another strap that would go around the tree that was like looped through it so that if you fell, I, I'm pretty sure you were certain to die because you would just be hanging by your waist. And I, I don't know what we thought we were doing, but we never really wore them. It wasn't like a, a popular thing, but it did exist. But anyways, we would always get to our tree stands before dark in the morning or before light, I should say, you know, always had to be in an hour before light or a half hour before light. So I'd get up. I'd trudge up this hill. Uh, I'd go up my tree stand, up my screw-in pegs that had probably been in the same tree for 10 years. <laughs> and I would get into my tree stand and I'd get my bow ready and my backpack and everything. And uh, I always had this idea that you had to let the woods calm down. You got to let the woods calm down before it got daylight. I'm not sure what that even means, <laughs> but that's what I would think. So I would sit in my tree in the dark and I would take a nap. I would sit in my tree stand and I'd lean my head like this, if you're watching the video, back up against the tree, and I would just go to sleep. So there would be 17-year-old Justin up in a tree, 20 feet in the air, not strapped into anything, literally sleeping. And I can remember, you ever know, like, when you, like, wake up from a sleep and you're kind of like, you have a jolt, you're like, you jolt awake? Like, I can remember doing that in my tree stand, like, oh, like, oh, man, good thing I didn't fall out and die. And there was, like, not a care in the world. To me, like that's one of the dumbest things I've ever done while whitetail hunting. Uh, I think a lot of other folks out there probably have done the same thing. Hopefully nobody's doing it anymore. Like with the advent of modern safety equipment for hunting from an elevated position, I certainly would hope that nobody is doing that. But to me, it's probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done. If we want to talk about the dumbest thing I think I ever did while trying to kill a deer, uh, I'm going to say it's the time where... Uh, I was at full draw on a deer and I tried to move my camera with my elbow because the deer was moving and I didn't stop it for some reason. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. And I went to go, I was at full draw. I went to go move my camera and I was shooting a thumb release. And as I moved my arm, my arm like this, boom, I hit the trigger on the release. My arrow flew off into the woods. Thankfully it didn't hit the deer. The deer didn't know what the hell happened. He ran like 10 yards and just kept going on his way. And luckily I was able to find my arrow after it got dark because of my Luminoc. Um, but yeah, that was probably one of the dumbest things I've done while trying to kill a deer. And that was inspired by Todd because earlier in the season, Todd had come to full draw on a deer and it moved and Todd used his elbow to nudge his camera a little bit, but he was shooting an index finger release. So his finger was completely off the trigger. There was no chance of that happening. I wasn't really thinking that my thumb was just resting on the barrel. And if you think about it at full draw and you start moving your arm this direction, like you're just collapsing right onto the barrel and boom, off it went. And it was all captured on my overhead GoPro at the time. So for me, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever personally done.
um, while deer hunting. So uh, let's move on. We got a couple other fun things to talk about today. Uh, we talked about Colorado cutting tags. Let's talk about, uh, we'll go with two more, maybe three more things. So this one comes from Pennsylvania. This is an interesting one. Uh, so let me finish loading this up. So it says, um, this is in the Echo Pilot, which I feel like is, is that a real thing? Echo Charlie? Echo Pilot? So it says, left to rot, six charged with killing more than 100 deer in Franklin County. So three 20-year-olds, all from Greencastle, and three juveniles have been charged by the Pennsylvania, gosh, I can't talk today, Pennsylvania Game Commission in connection with a six-month poaching spree in southern Franklin County. They are accused of shooting well over 100 deer between August of 2022 and January of 2023 in an area ranging from Washington Township to wherever the heck. Um, Most of the deer were left to rot at the location of the kill and what officials are classifying as a complete disregard for our wildlife resources. Um, Man, this is a crazy one. So, I mean, the story goes, a bunch of idiots driving around in a truck at night in Pennsylvania, spotlighting deer, shooting them with a 22 mag and just leaving them to lay and die. They weren't even, they weren't bucks. They were literally just shooting every deer that they saw for literally no reason. Like they, maybe they were just bored. Like I, it's very strange to me. Now, what I found even more interesting is the charges. They only give the names of the three adults. We have Hunter Atherton, Abigail Hoover. So a female, I'm assuming a female, you just never know. It's 2023. Abby could be a dude, but I'm, I'm assuming Abigail Hoover is a chick, which usually you don't see. Usually it's a bunch of young dudes out being stupid, doing what young guys do. But no, Abigail was with them. Maybe she was partaking. But the last person, his name is Caillou Peterson. Now, for any of you that may be my age, I'm 42. If you got kids, if you ever watched Caillou Brandon, do you know what Caillou is? Oh, you know, you should be fortunate. You should be so fortunate, Brando, to live in a world oblivious to Caillou. The whiniest, most annoying little Canadian cartoon that's ever been created. I don't know how this ever got on television. I don't know what person watched Caillou and was like, this is a great show. We should put it on TV for kids to watch. But somebody did. And I tell you what, that person has got a special place waiting for him in the afterlife because Caillou is terrible. I hate that kid. If he was real, it was, he was a kid that I would want. I wouldn't want to beat him up because as an adult, you shouldn't want to do that. But I would like to see another kid beat Caillou up. I didn't like Caillou. The other thing too is Caillou's dad looked like a chick. I always thought Caillou's dad was a chick, like a, a lesbian. That's just the way that he dressed. I'm just saying, throwing it out there. So Caillou Patterson, I, if he's 20 years old, I don't know when Caillou the cartoon came out, but probably after this dude. So like this poor guy, he's already named Caillou, right? Which is kind of a strange name. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a Canadian name. I don't know. I've never heard of it before other than the stupid ass cartoon. So that's his name. Then you get this cartoon that comes out of the most annoying little bald-headed prick ever. 
And this dude's probably probably getting picked on because his name is Caillou. It's, I'm sure it happened. I feel bad for him to a certain degree. He was probably traumatized because uh, it's like, uh, remember in Office Space, the guy's name is Michael Bolton. And then, and then they're like, oh, Michael Bolton. And he's like, yeah, it was a great name. What does he say? Like until, uh, dang it, I used to know the quote that he said. Can you look at, Brando, you got to look up the Michael Bolton quote from Office Space. He's like, yeah, it was a great name until that blankety blank, blank, blank came around. But I feel like this is, this is the same thing with Caillou Patterson. So anyways, they've been charged with a litany of um, wildlife violations, as you can imagine. Uh, ultimately, they were caught because somebody had seen a description or seen their vehicle, gave a description of it. The cops or game co commission were pretty much staking it out. Did you get it, Brando? They were staking it out and they ended up catching them essentially red-handed. Oh, yes. There was nothing wrong with this name until I was about 12 years old and that no-talent ass clown became famous and started winning, winning Grammys. What a great quote. I'm sure that's how this guy feels about being named Caillou. Like, God damn it, it was a perfectly fine name until this horrible commercial or, or cartoon came around and just completely ruined it. So... They estimate that these people may have shot between 100 and 200 deer just for fun. Once again, we're going to go back to don't do dumb shit. My goodness, that is just, that's just too much for me. I can't even handle it. All right, let's, let's go to our last one for the day, shall we? We're going to end with our positive. Remember, we want to we have a positive light. We don't want to just talk about poachers and people getting arrested for trying to shoot cops with bows and animals dying because of the winter. We want some positive stuff. So uh, when did this video come out? A lot of you guys have probably seen this, I'm sure. I'm going to, gosh dang it, this came out. Does it tell me when it came out? What the hell? Why doesn't it tell me when it came out? So Cam Haynes published a video. If you haven't seen it, it's called Once We Were Wolves. Came out on May 4th. So it's been a couple weeks now since this one came out. And it's up to 709,000 views, rightfully so. It is a great video. You know, I'll tell you what, 10 years ago, I want to say, is probably when I really started paying attention to Cam Haynes. He'd been around for a long time um, writing articles in magazines, and you'd see him pop up. But I'd say it's probably been 10 years or so since he really started kind of making a name for himself, you know, through social media and a lot of stuff that he does. And in the early days... I admittedly was a Cam Haynes, Cam Haynes hater. I was like, look at this douche on Instagram and he's always running and this and that. And uh, I was just a hater. I was young. It was a younger version of me. It was very much more negative opinion of people. And over time of watching him, listening to podcasts with him, watching some of his videos, I've really grown to have a lot of admiration and respect for, for Cam Haynes and what he does. Um, I think he's a pretty legit dude. And now he's teamed up with Branlin Shockey, who's Jim Shockey's son, who's an amazing filmmaker. I can remember back when, what was that show that uh, Jim had, The Professionals? Oh, that was a badass show. Jim had a show called The Professionals. I'll never forget the intro to the professionals that Brandlin put together was one of the most badass things I've ever seen, even still to this day. So now Brandlin's teamed up with Cam. They're doing this uh, lift, what's it called? 
lift, run, shoot, I want to say is what it's called, where they get like personalities in there and they, they lift weights, they go for a run up the mountain, which I could never do because I suck at running. And then they, they go shoot bows and it's really cool. He did Tulsi Galbert was on there really, uh, recently. I like her a lot, a bunch of other folks. So anyways, uh, he puts his video out once we were wolves, they go to Alaska. He's with, I always forget this guy's name, Kip Folks, which I believe if memory serves, Kip was one of the original founders at Under Armour. Um, he's now involved in the origin project that those guys are doing with the, the camo company with Jocko and everything. Um, and then obviously Brandlin's there to, to film it. They go on a grizzly bear hunt. Um, I'm not going to spoil it for everybody. It gets really intense. I will say that like, it's one of those videos where you're watching it and like your heart is beating. Um, it's just really well put together. It's a cool story. Um, it gives you a whole new level of, I guess, respect and admiration for Cam and for Kip and what those guys are doing. Um, as a bow hunter, uh, I think this is a, a video that everybody should watch. Um, I really did enjoy it. Can't recommend it highly enough. Once We Were Wolves, it's on Cameron Haynes's YouTube channel. So make sure you guys check that out. So uh, that is it for this episode of The Pinch Point, everybody. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Don't forget that 15% off promo code at bowhunting.com is going to remain. We're just going to leave it. Pinch Point is the promo code Thank you to the couple of folks who did use it last week. I was surprised. I was like, oh my God, somebody not only listened to this podcast, but they actually took our advice and they went to bowhunting.com, used the promo code PINCHPOINT to save 15% uh, on all of our awesome gear that we have there. So thank you, everybody. Make sure you share this podcast with your friends and your enemies. We want everybody listening. Bring them all in. Bring all the haters in. Bring all the lovers in. We want everybody. If you're interested in bowhunting, archery, or just crazy stories about people doing dumb shit out there, this is the podcast for you. Uh, have a safe and enjoyable Memorial Day weekend, and I will see you all next week.